Good morning. Hope you had a Merry Christmas, church. Hope your family's got to celebrate um, wherever you were. I know a lot of us were scattered. I'm glad to see that. You know, there's actually more people here than I thought there'd be. So y'all are we're we're a traveling bunch. We like going places. Um, but I know y'all couldn't go too far because you got to come back for tomorrow's big game. So I'm glad you're here. Um, I'm also happy to report that you know when you when someone joins the church, what happens is that person is joining a community that is going to help sharpen them. Um, generally, that means we sh- they come in and get sharpened. Very rarely does it mean they come in and start sharpening. That's what happened with Kelly because she sharpened me through her children this week. Kelly's two boys took me to the woodshed in basketball this week. Um, so, Kelly, you're already humbling your pastor. Um, my goodness. One of her kids like almost dunked on me, and I was like, and he was like, hey, I'm, the, I'm Kelly's kid. And I'm like, all right. Do you go to a church? Do you come to this church? Um, but anyway, um, I was you got you. You raised two good boys because they were they they beat me to death, and then they were then they shook my hand afterwards. So they got they got manners, um, and so um, I hope everybody gets to enjoy their New Year's. Um, I want to start this morning by uh, putting forth one idea. Um, I'm not going to bullet point this sermon. I just want to offer up one idea, and then we're going to break it down. And that's this. Every good and perfect gift that God has for His church is found exclusively in Jesus Christ. And the way that we receive those gifts, the way that we experience those gifts, is by being united to Christ and by growing deeper in our relationship with Christ and has been read knowing the power of the resurrection. And we should not desire any single gift or blessing that's not found in Christ. That's what I'm offering this morning. Before I begin... I want you to open up your mind and your heart, and I want, you to, I want you to make space for a category, a phrase. I want you to know this phrase. Union with Christ. Being united with Christ. Union with Christ. Some of y'all may go, well, I've never been taught that. You have been taught that. Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. Jesus is the foundation. We're the building. Jesus is the bridegroom. We're the bride. Consistently, Scripture is providing imagery pointing to one reality, and that is Jesus is our life, and if we're not tapped into Him, we're powerless. Our life is in union with Christ. That's where the life of the church happens. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. In any sport, when a team begins to experience success, one of the most important jobs for a coach is to keep his team hungry. Right now, the Georgia Bulldogs are 12-1. I like my cats. They, they didn't do too well. 
Georgia has won the SEC East. They've won the SEC Championship. They got sweet revenge on Auburn, came back, and after they got whooped, they came back and whooped. UGA has every single reason to feel really confident right now, and one of Kirby Smart's primary jobs is to make sure that his team knows they still have a job to do. That same principle applies to a growing church. This past year at Haynes Creek, we've grown numerically. We've added another small group. We've added another modular. We've raised up first our first leaders, our first deacons, our first elders. And we'll talk about that at our first... Um, we have our new first membership role. We're going to have uh, our first town hall meeting, if you will, on February 11th. We'll talk about that next week. We're hosting our first conference in January. We've established our new website. We've served our community. We've hung out with our community. We've seen our first baptism. We've dedicated nine children. Our discipleship is thriving. Community is strong. The gospel is preached and taught every single week. But we're not done. Far from it. We've still got a job to do. We can't forget that. Complacency infects good teams, and sadly, it claims good churches. Over time, a church can start to believe that their job is simply to maintain status quo and go through the motions instead of understanding that our job is to continually thrive and grow in the life of Christ together. So if you will, turn please to Matthew chapter 7, verses 7-11. through 11. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. It's a text that you know and you know well. This morning we're going to talk about the things that God has planned for Haynes Creek in 2018. We're going to learn how to ask for the right gifts and not the wrong ones. So if you can please stand for the reading of God's Word. And the Holy Spirit, through Matthew, says this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your, heaven, your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? Let's pray. Father, we know You know how to give the best gifts. Father, give us a hunger for Your goodness. Show us Your glory. Show us Your holiness. Father, we want to seek after Christ with all that we have. Guard us from bad gifts. And let us continually grow in the knowledge of Your Son, Jesus, so that we can one day attain the power of the resurrection. All these things we ask in Your Son's name. Amen. You may be saved. If I may, I want to ask two questions of the text this morning. Just two. I'm, just, I'm basically just going to ask two questions and I'm going to answer two questions of what we just read. What exactly are we asking for in 2018? 
what exactly does Haynes Creek want from God in 2018? And what are we not asking for in 2018? Those are my two questions. What are we asking for and what are we not asking for from the Lord? This is His church. If we're to be good stewards of what He's given us, and He's saying ask, if it's as simple as asking, what are we asking for? What are we not asking for? Number one, what's Jesus talking about? What are we asking for? Verses 7-8. through eight, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. For the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So, I mean, you talk about two of the most redundant verses in the entire Bible. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Jesus is being redundant for a reason. And his point is this. It's not complicated. Ask, and God will give. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and God will open the door. Whatever gift Jesus is talking about here, whatever gift God has for the church, our first clue is it's pretty easy to get. You just ask. That's how kind and benevolent and merciful our God is. He just wants you to ask. The number one reason that so many people today are not blessed by God is because they just didn't ask. It's as simple as asking. James 4.2, you have not because you ask not. I like the King James better, so I said that. You have not because you ask not. Pretty simple there. Thousands of young adults leave the church every single year because the church simply did not ask God to provide men and women to disciple them. Millions of marriages end in divorce every single year because churches simply did not ask God to preserve them in faith and love. Millions upon millions of people file into churches and leave never having heard the true gospel because we're not praying for revival. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. You can tell a lot about, the, about a church by the things that it asks for or the things that it doesn't ask for. In 2018, God is calling Haynes Creek to spend more time asking God for good things. To the widows and the widowers, are you asking God to keep these young couples preserved in faith and to mature them in godliness? Are you asking God for that? Young couples, are you asking God to give our widows and widowers joy in this new season of life? Are you praying for your pastor as he fights complacency? Husbands, are you praying and you asking the Lord to preserve your wife and to use you to conform her to Jesus Christ? Wives, are you praying for your husband? Are you asking him, give my husband strength and your wisdom? Are you praying that people would come to the Lord at this church? And are you praying that they be discipled? As we'll see, these are requests that God loves to honor. And this is the question I want to ask this morning. Think about this. Can we expect God, can we honestly expect God to bless our labors and our time and our commitments and our effort if we don't desire to have His power and His help? You know, I read this very simple text. I'll just be honest. I read this text and I, my first reaction is to think, it can't be that easy. Because I ask all the time and it don't happen. Well, James kind of answers that because he says, you ask wrongly. 
So sometimes I have wrong intentions. But other times I think I take it at face value and I don't stop to think. Sometimes the hardest thing you can do, the most God-honoring thing you can do for yourself is to take the time to ask. Asking is hard sometimes. I want everybody to stop and think. Don't answer, just think in your head. What is the primary role of the church? What's the primary goal and task of our church? If you said evangelism, which I hope most of you at least thought of that, you were only half right. That is not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to glorify God. Evangelism is under that. And the reason that's important is because if you don't understand that, if you don't understand that evangelism is only one more way that we glorify God and that worshiping and praising God is our primary role here, if you don't see evangelism in that way, in that light, you're going to inevitably turn evangelism into one more performance-based work thing you do for Him. But if you see evangelism as worshiping God, you're going to go to Him and ask that He brings the harvest. Because, of course, asking God is glorifying God. Because what we do when we ask God, we say, I can't do it under my power. I can't do it under my own strength. I need your life. Apart from you, I can do nothing. Simply, sometimes, taking the time to ask God is giving Him praise and saying, I can't do it, you can. Asking God is an act of humility. And I know this personally from when I'm, you know, for the fact that I'm married, and sometimes when I, when I sin against Kelly, or I slip up, and sometimes it's not even obvious. It's something I just I might not have taken the time to do something or, or whatever. The, my natural instinct is to just fix it. That's my natural instinct. Just to fix it, do whatever. You know, what, what do you want me to do, honey? You know, just, okay, alright, I'll do, you know, just to, to do one more thing to clean up what I did. And the hard thing sometimes is to take the time to pause and ask for God's grace and ask Him to help me serve her. That's hard to do. That is hard to do. I will not entertain any man coming before me and telling me that that's just easy to do in the flesh because it's not. But a man of godliness seeking the Lord can tell you that sometimes we need the power all the time. I need power and I need God's grace to serve my wife. You can tell a lot about a man. You can tell a lot about a church of the things we ask for and don't ask for. The second clue we have about this, the, what are these good gifts that we're asking for? The second clue is in verse 11. Jesus says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So whatever this gift is that God wants us to give us, He knows that He, we know that He really wants to give it to us. He longs for us to have it. How many, raise your hand, if you're a parent, on Christmas morning, you got your kids up and your kids just loved what they got. Okay, there you go. Some of y'all are like, yeah, I wish that was the case. It's in the corner with the rest of the toys. As a parent, and I'm speaking just as somebody who's only had two Christmases, and the first one they couldn't even, didn't even know what a toy was. Just speaking as a parent, I'm just telling you, their joy is my joy. 
I want to give them good gifts. And if we think that that's a, just a, a great feeling to have, imagine our Heavenly Father wanting to lavish great gifts on us. That's exactly the same thing. God wants Haynes Creek to have His most precious, soul-satisfying gifts. Which leads us back to our original question. What are these gifts? What are we asking for? Somebody who's been a Christian for 30 years could be reading this passage this morning and they could go, okay, I'll be stopped for a second. This passage is, is about evangelism. This isn't about the church. The ask and you'll receive and knock at the door, that's, that's just people asking for salvation. That's not necessarily talking about me today. Not so fast. Well, it is certainly true that this text applies to evangelism. By the grace of God, the good news of the gospel is that all we got to do is ask for Jesus and He comes and He opens that door and we're saved. But, I think sometimes the problem with American Christianity today is many Christians today stop and ask to receive salvation. They get baptized and then they stop asking for their daily bread. They stop asking for God's grace. They stop asking for His daily provision and His care. They checked God and church off the list and then they got complacent. That's not what we want for Haynes Creek. Yes, we are justified by faith alone. By grace alone. Not by works. But someone who hungers after Jesus and never asks for His daily mercies was never hungry at all. Are we hungry for Jesus? Are we looking to the author and perfecter of our faith? Are we going to Him with our thoughts and our cares and our concerns? In a high-speed, fast-food, one-click kind of culture, sometimes the hardest thing we can do is just ask God to provide. So the answer to our first question this morning, what are we asking for? The answer is more of Jesus. Whether you are a new believer asking to be saved or you're an experienced Christian asking God for strength or wisdom, the answer is the very same. Jesus is who we're asking for. Now I want you all to listen very, very quickly. Just listen. To why, why Paul says that we need leaders in the church today. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And He, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, and here, don't miss it, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Did you check that last little phrase there? Fullness of of Christ. At Haynes Creek, we want every single person to attain the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Jesus Christ isn't just the guy who gives us salvation. Jesus Christ is the incarnate Son of God who we are eternally united and continually growing in. Every truly good gift we could ever receive is a gift that we get being sanctified in Him. A Christian's love is Christ's love. A Christian's hope is Christ's hope. Just like uh, Ken said, our righteousness is Christ's righteousness. Our holiness is Christ's holiness. These are the gifts He wants to give. A church that loves is a church that flourishes. A church that is holy is a church that stands apart from the world. A church that, is, that has hope is a church that can endure anything. My prayer for Haynes Creek in 2018 is that we would, make, we would attain the measure of the fullness of Christ. 
I know y'all know this verse, James 1.17. Every good and every every good and every perfect gift is where? From where? Above. If you're sitting there this morning, if you're if you're a, if you're a, a dad, let's say, if you're listening to the sermon, you're going, okay, but how do I pray? But how do I how do I pray for my family? You know, what, what's the best way to pray? I'm not I'm not good with prayers. I'm certainly not good with public prayers. We'll just read First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse thirteen. I know y'all know this one. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is. Love. How many of us are praying for those three things? If those are the greatest things God has, why aren't we praying for them? There you go. There's your prayer right there. Lord, please give me faith, hope, and love. If those are the three best gifts that God has, why are we asking for them? The reason? We don't think they're that good. We think a new church building is good. We think a better budget is good. We think more people is good. But what God's telling you is good is faith, hope, and love. Fathers, that's the best thing you could pray for your children is that they have faith, hope, and love. Mothers, please pray for your husband that he has faith, hope, and love. These are the things that build a church and a family. They're good things. They're things that last. Parents, pray for God to give your children faith. I know a lot of y'all do that. Continue to do that. It sure beats good grades and a good career. I mean, pray for the good grades and the good career, but what Paul's saying is faith lasts, careers don't. Small group leaders. When someone's in your small group and they open up about their struggles and how they're, you know, they're, they're, they're just trying to make it through a situation and they talk to you about how they're trying to fix their circumstances, don't just pray that God fixed their circumstances. Pray that God renews their hope in the gospel and that they wouldn't despair because what Paul's saying is hope lasts, circumstances don't. Faith, hope, and love. That's what we want at this church. That's what we're begging God for, to give us. A, God, a, a church that has those three things is indestructible. Now, even when we pray specific prayers, like, for example, you know, right now, Kelly's, you know, she's she's getting more clients for her adopt. My, my wife is an adoption consultant, so she sets up families who want to adopt. She's getting more of them. So I'll pray that God uses me to take some of her load off or provides a way that she can work and have less stress. So even when I'm praying specific prayers, and I hope you're praying specific prayers for your family, I ask them in the way that Jesus tells me to ask them, and that's in His name. That means I'm asking God for things that are according to His love and His holiness and His righteousness and His goodness. I don't want my wife's professional success to go without those things. My wife will never pray for me as a pastor to have success that don't accord with the things of God. There are no better gifts that God has than these gifts. If Jesus is the most precious gift, then every good and perfect gift flows out of our union with Him. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. I challenge every single person in this room, start asking in faith. Our second question this morning is this. What are, what are we not asking for? Okay, all these good things, but 
I think it's just better sometimes. It's like a Rembrandt painting. The white isn't just as white until you got some black in there too. So what is what is it that we're not asking for? What are the bad gifts? Believe it or not, there are bad gifts. There are gifts that Satan wants you to have. The devil would take great pleasure in us filling these pews and not filling our hearts with Christ. He would take great pleasure in that. He would take immense pleasure in us filling our calendars with events, but not filling our minds and our hearts with Scripture. I think I, I really do think I think Satan looks at really packed calendars. If they're not in a good way, I think I think Satan just loves that. Keep them busy. Don't let them actually stop and think about what's important. See, what we're asking at this church is keep us busy, but give us the good things first. Have y'all read Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis? Really, really weird book. But it's about two demons having a conversation about how to get people to sin. And after you get done reading it, it is nothing like you think. You're like, I do that. One of the main prayers for this church is that God would keep us from the wrong kind of blessings. I just heard this week, Kirby Smart is still abiding by his policy at UGA that no freshmen talk to the media. Y'all know that? Well, guess who our quarterback is? Your quarterback, sorry. Ain't my quarterback. Okay, he's kind of my quarterback. And when the Georgia Tech goes, he'll be my quarterback too. Jake Fromm, who happens to be a what? A freshman. So, this is the Rose Bowl. I mean, come on, coach. Let him talk to the media. This is the biggest chance he's got. Let the kid have some fun. Kirby wants to have that Rose Bowl trophy. He wants Fromm to know that this is just one game and you've got to get to the end. There's going to be MVPs. There's going to be titles. That, If I can look at this and think one thing, it's that Kirby knows there's a difference between good success and bad success. Even in sports, we try to protect the people that we know are headed in a great direction from bad success. The thing, it's the same way with the church. There is a word in verse 11 that you would miss if you weren't careful. If you then, who are evil... Did you catch that? He just called everybody evil. You know, if I was listening, I'd be like, hold on. I'm not evil. Well, he just said you were. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, did you notice that basically Jesus is saying, is acknowledging that everybody, he knows what's in every single sinner's heart. And the whole, the whole idea behind that verse is that evil people don't know how to give really good gifts. I mean, how many times are you going to look at a Christmas family gathering where the kid got an Xbox, but the, kid, but the parents don't know how to care for their kid's soul? Sin makes us want things we shouldn't and give things we shouldn't. Sin has infected our hearts. We want the things we shouldn't, so we ask for things we shouldn't. I mean, how many... I'm not going to call anybody out by name, but how many churches can you just drive Just drive to Atlanta? Drive through Atlanta and just see some of these churches and they are just in love with the prosperity gospel. They are in love with the fact... They're in more in love with the things God can get them than they are with God. 
They're not asking for faith. They're not asking for hope. They're not asking for love. They're not asking for righteousness. They're not asking for peace. They're not asking for joy. They're asking for material wealth, prosperity, and success. John chapter 13, verse 20. It's all about words. Don't miss the words. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Did you notice how he phrases that? Receives me. Didn't say receive salvation. Didn't say receive peace. Didn't say receive love. Receives me. To have salvation is to have the whole Christ. To have all of Him. We want His goodness. We want His righteousness. We want His love. We want His holiness. We want all of Him. We receive Him. We don't ask Jesus into our hearts. We receive Him. By the way, please don't ever say that, Bert. Don't, don't, please don't. If you can, not just, just asking you politely as your pastor, don't ever use that phrase. Receive, I'm, I'm asking Jesus into my heart. That, that's not in the Bible. Someone made that up years ago. You're not, you're not asking Jesus into your heart. You're just receiving Jesus is what you're doing. Now the Holy Spirit indwells your heart. The point is this. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When we are united with Christ, His life becomes our life. When churches preach that faith in Christ will make them rich, they've abandoned Christ for money. And sometimes churches can even overshadow Christ when they preach receiving salvation, but they don't talk about Jesus. It's not just about what Jesus can do for us, it's about Jesus Himself. When we place faith in Jesus, we're being united with Him. He's our power. He's our righteousness. He's our wisdom. He's our life. To be saved by Christ is to be found in Christ. Listen to me here. This this might sound radical, but I want you all to know this. At Haynes Creek, I don't want God to give us another building. I don't want God to explode our attendance. I don't want God to give us more responsibility and me and more authority as pastor unless He has first given us good gifts. I don't want to build a church on bad gifts. I want to build it on the fullness of Christ. Father, don't give us numbers without Christ's love for the lost. Father, don't give us more events and activities without placing our hope in Christ first. Father, don't give us worldly success without letting us prosper first in the peace and hope of the gospel. Sin begins when we start trading God for the things we can get from God. Sin begins when we start worshiping creation instead of the Creator. And oh, how quickly a church can start to fall away from the good gifts of Christ. Money, politics, cultural comfort, entertainment. Mark Twain, one of my favorite American authors, who's often a cynic and often not a fan of Christians, he said this, If you pick up a starving dog and make him prosperous, he won't bite you. This is the principal difference between a dog and a man. I love that. Prosperity in a home or a church can slowly start to turn our hearts away from our need for Jesus to ourselves. One of the greatest dangers 
of success in this world, whether it's a football team or a church, is complacency. By the grace of God, Haynes Creek and our leaders and our servants and your pastor will never be complacent. It will never be enough. Because we are continually striving to attain the power of the resurrection at this church. What, what, what hurts my feelings sometimes to see churches, when Christians get a taste of comfort, we stop asking God for His good gifts. How many people, raise your hand, and I just, you know, it's going to take a little humility for you to raise your hand, but how many people started praying again when something bad happened? You started needing them again, didn't you? That's what we got to fight at this church. We have, the only thing that's going to, the only thing that's going to keep us from straying, the only thing that's going to keep us from coming back to him like a dog between his tail between his legs and saying, we messed up, I need you again, is just continually running the race in faith. No matter how many people show up on a Sunday, we worship God because He's God. In America, listen to me now, in America, this is your challenge. If you're an American today, listen to me. In America, we have to live with good houses, good food, good jobs, and we still have to manage to knock at God's door every single day and beg Him for good gifts. That's the hard part. We have to be an asking, seeking, knocking church. Now, I just want to clarify. Salvation, again, is you are justified by faith alone. I'm not talking about coming back and getting your salvation every day. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about now, God is no longer my judge. I'm justified. Because Jesus was my substitute, He's taken my condemnation. And now I don't go before God as a judge. I go before Him as a child. I'm His child. He is my Father. I need Him to provide for me. I ask for my daily bread. So I wanted to conclude with this. No matter how bad or how hopeless your circumstances are right now, There is no situation that you are in or could be in this morning that could not be gloriously solved and improved by finding one of God's greatest gifts. Because I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter if someone is sick and they're healed. It doesn't matter if someone is in trouble with the law and they're exonerated. It doesn't matter if someone has money problems and then they get out of debt. It doesn't matter if someone has family division, and it gets resolved. If that person doesn't know the love, hope, peace, joy, righteousness, and holiness of Jesus, they're not as blessed as they might think. At Haynes Creek, we want the best gifts God wants to give. And we want to be needy, and we want to ask Him for our daily bread. The good news is that the best gifts in life are free. Jesus literally shed His own blood that we might have life and life abundantly. Guess where that life comes from? It's His life because He is the way, the truth, and the life. If you've never asked to receive Christ, it is literally as easy as asking. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to work to get God to get you to approve. Jesus lived the perfect life. You just receive Him. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Every good and perfect gift comes from Jesus. And we don't want any gift 
that doesn't come from Him. That's what we want to build this church on. That's what we want you want to build your families on. How many times have we seen a family who got everything they wanted? I mean, have you ever heard of those people that like won the lottery and then years later they had nothing left and they're all divorced? Have you ever heard those stories about people who were blessed beyond measure and everything was horrible? Those are bad gifts. Now, it doesn't mean that God can't give you worldly gifts. It doesn't mean that money is bad. It just means we have a responsibility to guard ourselves against dangerous success and complacency and continue to come to Christ every day and ask for His good gifts. Let's stay hungry. We want to be an asking, seeking, needing, knocking church. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we know the best gifts in life come from You. And we know that it is only in You that we find our life and our righteousness and our holiness. We don't want just some and not others. We want the whole Christ. Father, we don't just want things You can bring us. We want You. And, and as Paul said in chapter 3 of Philippians, we know that we now have a righteousness that purchases our redemption. We know we have a substitute who stood in our place absorbed the wrath of the Father. We know we have life eternal in Jesus. But Father, we know just like Paul, we want to hunger to know the power of the resurrection. We want to daily walk in union with Christ. We want to be tapped into the vine. We want to be His bride. We want Him to be our anchor and our foundation. Father, do not give this church any gift that is not found in Jesus. Father, we want more of Jesus. And all these things we ask in your son's name. Amen.